So we're in the final week of Hot Topics. How y'all feeling right now? You know, when, when I got to grab tissue, it, 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 it must mean something. You know, being a Marine, I'm not supposed to cry. There, there's something about letting the Spirit lead you. And I think we forget about it. We forget about it in our life because we got so much going on and, and, and there's just so much stuff in our life. There's so many things that we get tied up with that, that we just totally miss our focus and we start going through the motions. And it's all of us, to include me. As a pastor of this church, there's times I just go through the motions. Oh, it's Monday morning, I got to get up, I got to go to church, I got to go to work. Oh, it's Tuesday, I finished church, oh, I got to... I got to get the prayer list done so we can do our prayer group tonight on Tuesday night. So that I'm here Tuesday during the day, Tuesday night, Wednesday during the day. Oh, wait, I got to prepare Wednesday night so we can do Wednesday night. <clears throat> now it's Thursday. Oh, wait, I got youth on Thursday night. So now I got to do Thursday night. And it seems like I just sometimes it gets to going through the motions because it becomes more of a job than a calling. But unfortunately, all of us run into that in our life. And we run into this, and, and, and then Satan gets into our life, and, and we just get all caught up in craziness. And, and today's subject kind of touches on the life that we have to deal with. And I think this week's uh, hot topic or question is probably one of the biggest questions asked both inside and outside the church. Because it's something that everyone goes through, and it's a question that we all ask. And I just want to remind you that, as always, each and every week, we all have our own personal opinions. We all have a, well, this is what I believe, but if our belief doesn't line up with what the Bible says, we need to adjust our belief to adjust it to what God's Word says. Not what we may believe, not what mom and dad might have taught us, not what we might have learned growing up, but actually what God's Word really says about it. And today's hot topic is this. If God is all good and all powerful, why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? That's a big question, isn't it? And I guarantee everyone in this room has asked it more than once. I know I have. I've asked, this, I've asked God this question and it's been in this this whole form of, God, why? Why? If I'm doing all this for you, God, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and then why is there evil? Why am I going through all this stuff? Why am I dealing with this stuff in my life? And, and God, you're, you're, you're all powerful. You're all believing. You're full of love. They say love and grace. And if that's the case, why am I going through this? Well, here's a newsflash. We're going through this because of us. And so what we're going to look at today is at the very beginning, we're actually going to be in three different places in the Bible. But what I want to look at, and one of the things I've always heard of, well, if, if God is so full of love and he's all-knowing, you know, why is there evil in the world? 
he must not be loving. If I was God, I would remove all of this stuff out of the world. If I was God, that's what I would do. Thank God he is God and we are not. Because we would have removed things out of this world that we'd end up missing in the long run. So if you have your Bibles, we're actually going to start out in Genesis because we've got to go back to the beginning to see what it's all about, right? So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 7 to start. And here's the idea. Everyone will say, oh, if I was God, I would. Well, ultimately, God did do something about evil at one time. So, so as you open up your Bibles, let's take time and see what God did when evil was in this world. And it says this in chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. When the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth and he was deeply grieved. Then the Lord said, I will wipe mankind who I'm created off the face of the earth together with the animals, creatures that crawl and birds of the sky for I regret I made them. So when we look at this passage, think about this. God wanted to destroy the earth because of widespread wickedness because of who? Mankind. Guess what? Turn to your neighbor and listen to your wife and say, God wanted to destroy us because of you. Now you notice I said, husbands, don't say that to your wife because I don't want to do marriage counseling later. But think of the reality. God wanted to destroy the earth because of us. Because of the evilness of humankind, because of the wickedness that humankind brought with it, God wanted to destroy everything. To the point of, he gets it, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. And I really look at verse 5 and as I read verse 5 again, think of the world around us today. Every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. What do you see in the world today? Evil all the time. Anger sells. Which is sad to say, but anger sells. And, and through social media, through everything else that's going on in life, and, and the algorithms, algorithms in social media will actually bring up on your Twitter feed, your TikTok, whatever it is, that algorithm will bring up things that get you mad. And you think about it because what's going to happen, it's going to be someone or something that you didn't like, you didn't agree with, and maybe one time you made a comment. And that algorithm says, oh, they don't like this. And they're going to turn around and every other scroll, you, you're going to see it. And what are you going to do? You're going to get mad. You're going to get angry. You're going to get upset. And why? Because that sells. Love and kindness does not sell. But anger does. And anger and evil in the world today is exactly what we saw back in Genesis 6. The evil and the wickedness of the people is everywhere. 
And when you look at the story of Noah, the whole flood, you get this glimpse of what God the Creator did to, hey, that's it, I'm going to stamp out evil. I'm going to get rid of it. And, and, and you know, we, the story begins and, and humanity increasingly rebels more and more against God. But what's happening in today's world? We're rebelling more and more against God, people, family members, whatever it may be. And so God decides to get rid of evil. He's going to destroy everything. And everything's going to be gone. And and we know that happens. If you know the story of Noah, the, the rains come, the flood comes. Everything's wiped out on earth except for two of every species and Noah and his family. And then all of a sudden, now the, the water dries up and, and they're able to live on ground again. And, and they're living on ground and it doesn't take very long before evil comes back again. The wickedness of man shows right back up in the picture. But what's interesting is this time, God promises not to destroy everything. So we see a kind of a little reverse of what God has to say. So turn a couple pages. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 8. And we're going to be in verses 21, 22. So now, <coughs> this is after the flood. And God sees evilness coming back again. And he says this. And this was right after Noah built an altar. And the Lord says, When the, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma... He said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of human beings. Even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward, and I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. So what we see here is it's almost you you wonder, hey, is this a change of heart on God? And, and, you know, why did he change? And and, and as you go from Genesis and you continue through the Bible into the New Testament, you see exactly what God did. God had a plan. He calls Abraham and Sarah. He calls them. He actually builds the nation of Israel. He promises them the Messiah. In the New Testament, we see the Messiah, Jesus, comes into the world and takes away the sin of the world. Now, he takes away the sin of the world from us, even though we still deal with it. But because he came as that offering, it allows us to have that fellowship with God again. Even in our human wickedness, we can then again end up with that fellowship with God So ultimately, instead of God destroying evil, which would have required him to destroy all of us, he decides to take evil on himself and destroy it himself. And thank God he is God and we are not. Because the evil in us, we would just be like, okay, nuke it. Be done with it. We'll start all over again. And you ever notice history repeats itself? And that's exactly what we see here. And and instead of God, we we see God, he feels grief. He feels sorrow. He feels compassion for us, just like us as parents, or as our parents did for us. He's got that compassion of a parent who loves 
their children. You know, at the beginning of the flood story, wickedness provoked God to destroy everything. At the end of the flood story, wickedness provoked God to take it and suffer himself. One of the things I think is interesting is I've learned through my years, evil and suffering have existed since the beginning of mankind. Evil and suffering is in this world. We're always going to have to deal with it. And, and, and although evil and suffering normally come together, we can also suffer without evil being involved. And, and it's always going to be there. It's something we're going to have to deal with our entire life. And, and because of the fact that we know we're going to have to deal with it, and we know that the only way that God, being all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving, can get rid of evil is to destroy all of us, and none of us want that, right? So if we don't want to be destroyed, then why is there evil in the world? Because of us, and because of God's love for us that he does not want to destroy us. So if we're going to deal with evil and suffering in our lives, I guess we need to really learn how to deal with it, right? How we can live this life knowing that we've got to deal with it. Knowing that evil's going to happen, suffering's going to happen. God provided us with free will. And here's the whole thing about free will. People say, well, if we didn't have free will, we wouldn't have evil and suffering. No, we would be robots. If it wasn't for free will, we'd never know how to love. We wouldn't know how to love the Lord with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and strength. We wouldn't know how to love our spouses. We wouldn't know how to love our neighbors as ourselves. Love would not be in the equation if we did not have free will. So how do we deal with evil and suffering? Well, I'm going to take you now to 2 Corinthians. So you're going from Genesis all the way near the back of your Bible to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to be in chapter 1. So it's going to be pretty quick. If you find it, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And remember, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. And I truly believe what he says here we can apply into our lives. We can apply it into our lives to understand this whole evil and suffering and how to deal with it and how to live with it. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is your it is for our if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we were if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of that same suffering that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the comfort. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our afflictions that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. 
So a couple questions. When you're going and you're dealing with this evil and suffering, where, where, where do you go when you're facing that pain in your life? Where, where do you go in your life when maybe your spouse has left or maybe your spouse has damaged you somehow? Or, or what about, where do you turn to hide from the scars of childhood? Or, or, or maybe even better, what, what do you do when you're hurting or, or used to cope you're hurting or cover it up? See, each one of us has something that we go to. Each one of us has some type of mechanism we use to deal with pain. Some are good, some are really bad. In some cases, we may not allow someone to get close to us thinking that they're going to hurt us. Oh, I've been hurt by someone, so I can't let anyone get close in my life. Or, you know, maybe if you're in school, you become the bully. I'm going to be the bully in school because my parents didn't treat me right and maybe I got abused at home, so I'm going to abuse all the kids in my classroom. You know, some of us, we, we choose separation or isolation. Hey, we'll just stay away from the world. I'll, I'll just stay in my room. I'll, I'll stay in my own lane and, and I'm just not going to have no friends and forget my family. They hurt me and I'm just going to do all this self-isolation. Some of us turn to drugs, alcohol, or something else that it's addictive. And we turn to, to kind of cope with, man, I got all this suffering, all this stuff going on, but, but when I do this, I feel good. Man, just let me get another hit. Where's my buddy Jack? Where's Jack, Jim, and Jose, my three favorite J friends? Because that helps me to cope. It helps me to get through it. And I can just dull this pain and everything that's going on in my life because nobody understands. But man, this helps me get through it. This helps me to not be hurt again. This helps me to whatever it may be in your life. That's the way we kind of cope with things. And when that pain is screaming out, what do you do? So today I want to kind of give you some things of what God's Word says we can do to help deal with evil and suffering, to help us get through it and understand it even more. And the first thing looking at this is God offers comfort. God offers comfort that you can't get anywhere else. Remember, the Apostle Paul is the one writing this book. If anyone knows about being in discomfort and suffering and evil in the world because of his relationship with Jesus Christ, it was the Apostle Paul. Lord knows you'd listen to what happened to him. He's been in jail. He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He, he's had so much go on for his love for Jesus, and he continued to go on. So, so he's not giving a theology lesson here. He's giving practical application of, look, listen, I've been there, I've done this, I got the t-shirt, now I'm going to let you know how I got through it. And that's basically what he's talking about here. And I think it's interesting, he says, you know, as we look at what should we do with all this pain, he tells us we need to go to God. And he tells us we need to go to God because he is the father of all mercies. He is the father of mercy, so that's one reason. Hey, he can show me mercy. Lord knows I need mercy. But even more, he is the God of all comfort. 
So as the God of all comfort, he's someone that we can go to when we need comforting. You know, he's the, he's the God that shows us mercy. He's the author of mercy. And, and understand, mercy's here is like the word compassion. And, and in the Latin, the word compassion means to co-suffer. So when the God of mercy comes to us in our life and we're dealing with his evil and suffering, he's there to co-suffer with us. He's there to go through it with us. You think about in your life as, as you always want someone to be able to go through it with you. you know, I remember as a kid getting hurt. Who's the first person as a kid you got hurt you ran to? You ran to mom. Mom, I skinned my knee. Mom, I, I fell out of the tree, whatever it may be. Now, of course, with my mom, the first thing I would get would be the teaching lesson. I told you not to climb the tree. Why are you making a ramp too high to try and jump your bike on? You know, it was always the teaching first, and then I got the mercy. Well, see, with God, it's the total opposite. When you go to God and you're hurting and you're in pain, He's going to give you that mercy first because He is the God of mercy. He's the Father of mercies. And He's going to give you that mercy. And then if there's a lesson to be taught, He'll teach you that afterwards. But He's going to give you mercy first. And some, you know, I think most times we need the mercy first. I remember, you know, like my knee was skinned up or I, I was out barefooted and I dragged my toe across the asphalt. And, you know, how many times, I know I've done it more than once in my life. And my mom, I told you not to be out there barefoot. As soon as my toe healed, what I do when I'm out there barefoot again? Because I really didn't need the teaching. I just needed the bleeding and the pain to stop. I needed the mercy of my mother. God is the father of all mercies. And we need to understand that we can go to him. And I think it's interesting as you look, he's the God of all comfort. Did you catch that? All. All comfort. Not just some, but all comfort. He is there for us for everything that we need, no matter what it is. And, and you know, you think about it. There are people you will not go to when you're hurting because you do not feel that they're going to give you any comfort or mercy. I ain't going to them. All they're going to tell me is you should have done this. They're going to give me a teaching lesson instead of mercy. They're going to tell me what I should be doing instead of giving me grace and instead of comforting me. But we can go to God for all of it. We can go to him and he will provide us with that comfort. He'll provide us with that mercy we need in our life. And, and even the word comfort, it's two different root words that make the word comfort. The, the first one is to call alongside of. And when you're hurting, you want someone to come alongside you, right? Well, that's who God is. And then the second word is someone who gives you courage and hope. So when we call God to come alongside of us as we're going through this stuff, he comes with us and he gives us that hope. He gives us that hope for the future, that hope that it's going to get better. And it gives us that drive to move forward. Instead of being so caught up in our stuff or our junk that we can continue to move forward. And, you know, he, he doesn't take all that time to let me teach you a lesson. He says, I'm going to come alongside of you. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you a future. Just come with me and lean on me. Now, some of you may be saying, hey, pastor, that's all good. But, man, you just don't know my situation. 
you don't know me, you don't know what I'm going through, you don't know my situation, man, you don't know what my family has done to me, or who so-and-so, or whatever it may be in your life, pastor, you don't understand, no way God can comfort that. Let's read verse 4 again. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Go back to the very beginning of that verse. He comforts us in all of our affliction. All of our affliction. Guess what? There is no suffering in your life that is bigger than what God can handle. There is no suffering in your life that's not too big for God. God's going to be there for all of it. Every affliction, all affliction you're going with, He's going to be there for you. For you. It's not a way of trying to cover up the pain like we do. We try all these different ways. I'm going to cover it up here. I'm going to do this. You know, we kind of treat it like a painkiller. You ever had surgery or even a dental work and your doctor gives you pain meds? Now, I want to let you know, I am the worst in the world at taking pain meds. I don't even like to take aspirin. Okay? And when I go to, when I've had surgery in the past or even a root canal done and the doctor gives me, here, go ahead, here's some painkillers, and I'll kind of be like, well, I'm not going to take them. And so I'm like, I'm not going to fill the prescription. So then they just give me some of the office. I'm like, I'm still not going to take them. And then the pain kind of gets bad, so I'll take one. Really don't feel a relief. Well, it didn't work. So what am I going to do? I ain't going to take the rest of them. And then, you know, hey, I'm not going to do it. And then I worry about, you know, is it, could I get addicted to it? What are the side effects from it? And ultimately it didn't work anyways because I still got pain and I took the painkiller five minutes ago and it ain't working so I ain't taking no more. Some of us treat God like a painkiller. We think he's not going to work. Understand, God is not going to take away what is stressing you, but he's going to give you comfort during it. He's going to take that anxiety away from it. He's not going to remove you from the place of suffering. He's going to help you go through it, which is a big difference in life. All of us want that magic wand. God, I'm suffering. Take me away from it. And my suffering's here. And poof, I'm over here. Woohoo! That ain't how it works. Guess what? He's going to be right here with you in your suffering. And he's going to come along with you. And he's going to walk with you. And he's going to talk to you. And he's going to speak with you. He's going to relieve that anxiety until you get over here and you're away from that suffering. It's a process. But everyone wants that quick fix. But God is able to handle all of your afflictions. Anything you're going through, he can make it happen. He can get you through it. And, you know, even as I think about this, who, who wrote the Second Corinthians? The Apostle Paul. So Paul wrote this, so we got to really dig into, <coughs> dig into, this is someone who's been through it. He's lived his life of suffering. You think about it in life, if, if you're addicted or you have some type of addiction, what do you do? do? You go to like AA or NA or or celebrate recovery. And then what you do is you go there because there are people there who've already been there. And they can kind of help you through the process. 
You know, people go through divorce, they go to divorce care. People grieving the loss of a loved one, they go to grief share, some type of grief counseling. They go someplace where someone has already been where they were at. And they go there to get that help and to get what they need. And, and if I want to know how to make it through suffering, I'm going to go to someone who's been there. The Apostle Paul has been there. All you got to do is read the New Testament, and you know the Apostle Paul has been through it. So when he talks about it, I'm going to dig into it. And here, what I thought was interesting was the word comfort inside this scripture. It's actually a present tense verb. So it means it's something that continually happens. It's not a one and done kind of thing. It's not like, oh, I need comfort. Here you go, now get away. You know, that's the way we treat people. Hey, I got you a hot beverage. You're not happy yet? You mean I got to stay here and keep talking to you? Don't you know I got stuff I got to do? It's not one and done like that with God. God's going to be on your side. He's going to walk you through it. He's not going to be like us as friends and, and kind of, I'll pray for you and we walk away instead of praying right then and there. You know, God's going to be there for that comfort. And, and I think it's interesting that he says through all affliction, the word affliction here is that, that pressing down, the word that's used is actually the same word that's used to press the grapes to get the juice out. How many people have that pressure in their own life? You feel like that vice is on you and it's just trying to get all of that juice out of you like when you're juicing a grape. You see, we have that pressure on our own lives. And, and we allow that pressure to cause us to, to go do some type of vice. To do something to deal with it and well, I'll just go isolate. I'm going to go sit in the dark. I'm going to go, whatever it may be, instead of turning to God. Turn to the God of all comfort who's going to be there for us. <clears throat> Verses 4 through 8, it goes on and says this. He comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God, for just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, we also, through Christ, uh, comfort, uh, our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance and the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is firm because we know that you share in our sufferings. Now here's something, and I want to be very careful the way I talk about this next section, because I don't want you to get it wrong. But do you realize that our sufferings are able to bless others? Now in some cases, our the junk that we're going through is a blessing to others, because they've been praying about it for years. <laughs> they well, I can't believe old so-and-so. You know, how many times you sit there and say, man, I just wish a rock would fall on their head. You know what I mean? Now, that's not the kind of thing we're talking about here. And it's not the, I don't want you to think that, oh, so what I'm going through right now, God is putting me through this so that as I endure through it, I can then help someone else. That's not what I'm saying. Don't take it that way because that's not what I'm saying. And that's not what the scripture says. But what it is saying is as I go through stuff, 
And God comforts me through this junk in my life and helps me to get to the other side of it. Now that I am through that discomfort, now that I'm through whatever it is, now I can bless others with it. Because I've been there. I got the t-shirt. I'm going to pass it on. Now God didn't put me through it just to do that. Evil and suffering happen to everybody. But he's able to take what I've been through that I've stood by. I didn't go self-isolate. I didn't turn to the bottle. I didn't turn to porn. I didn't do anything except turn to him. And he walked alongside of me and he carried me through the storm in my life. Now I can be a blessing to somebody else. And there's too many of us going through something in our own life, not realizing at the end we may be able to bless somebody else. Because of what we went through, because of the experience we had in our own life, we can now bless someone else and help someone else going through the same thing. Instead, we say, woe's me. God must not love me. I must have sinned really bad to have all this stuff in my life. I can't believe my coworker treats me like this. Well, guess what? I can believe it. Because we're evil. It is human nature to be evil. So we deal with it. How do we deal with it? We go to God who comforts us. Understanding everything, nothing is too big for God to take care of. And as we go through this, and we make it to the other side, we're going to have some more knowledge. We're going to have some skill. We're going to have some endurance that got us through that suffering, and now we're able to bless somebody else. We're able to tell them, hey, you know, I, I know God's with you, but here, I'm going to come alongside you also. And I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to be there with you through it all. If you've ever been in any type of recovery program, that's what happens. Someone sponsors you, you go in. And then they're going to be there to hold you accountable. They're going to call you up. They're going to reach out to you. They're going to do what needs to be done to walk alongside you. And then someday you will pass that blessing on to somebody else and continue to move forward. But, but we need to understand that all through the pains, all through the plagues and everything in our life, we've got to understand that, that God's comfort is always going to bring us hope. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. Paul says all things. God can handle all of it. All of that stuff in your life, God can handle says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. Experience it, grasp it, move on from it as God walks with you, and then go do something about it. Bless somebody else with it. Be obedient to what he calls you to do and move forward. Yeah, as, 
as you look through the Bible, I mean, look back at the, one of the oldest books in the Bible is the book of Job. Man, Job suffered, didn't he? And Job didn't do anything wrong. Job followed the Lord. He did what he was called to do. And what I call over a dollar bet, I bet you can't do this. I bet you a dollar I can. Job's life was set apart, was ruined. And, and, and during the book of Job, Job actually asked God that question. He, he looks to it, and, and he's going through his life, and, and he actually not only asks the question, but he demands an answer from God about evil. He demanded from God an answer about evil. And then in this discourse of them going back and forth and, and talking back and forth and, and understand that God's righteous and, and, and he's faithful and, and he's compassionate and, and Job saying, I've done all of this and, and I don't understand. Well, God appears to answer Job. And like I said, through this, this discourse, it, it never really gives an answer to what evil is. But you see God's compassion for Job. You see his compassion in the end and the tenderness he has, he has for Job. And, and Job never really got the answer that he sought. He never got the answer he wanted, but the only answer he could get was that he could trust his creator and his redeemer. Which is what we need to do. In the end, we need to trust our creator and our redeemer that even though there's going to be evil and suffering in this world, that we're going to be okay. In an introduction to the Old Testament canon, it actually said this, <clears throat> the dramatic power of the book of Job attests to the reality that faith beyond easy convictions is a demanding way to live that th thrives on openness and requires immense courage. Every one of us is going to face evil in this world. Every one of us at some point is going to have suffering in our life. But we need to know that God can handle it. That we can take it to God, that he is in control, he is the father of mercies, and he can handle everything. <clears throat> and we need to really, as we take away, remember that God is present with us, just as he has been present with creation all along. God feels our grief, he carries our burdens, and we can find comfort in a trusting relationship with the one who went to the cross for us and will ultimately wipe away every tear. He is the Father of mercies. We came in here today with a lot of junk. Guess what? You're going to leave here with a lot of junk too. That junk's still going to be out there when you leave. It's still going to be on your mind. You're still going to think about it. Well, Bring it to God, the God of mercies, the God who can handle everything. Don't treat him like a painkiller. Treat him like the God that he is. Worship him with your whole heart. Do everything in your life to seek him. Have him come along with you and walk with you. That's what he wants to do in our life. He don't want us to come into church wearing a mask. 
He don't want us to come into church thinking about other things. We come to church to worship. We come to church to worship our God. We come to church to feel His presence. And, and yes, we can feel His presence in our living room. We can feel His presence in our car. We can feel His presence wherever we are. But we continue to come to corporate worship so we can do it together. So that we can worship our God of mercies together. Leave your junk outside. Give your junk to God each and every day. He can handle it. Guess what? It's going to be there again tomorrow too. Might be there the next day. But as he's walking along with you, he's not going to take you out of that situation, but he's going to remove that anxiety from you in that situation. But you have to know him and you have to trust in him to make that happen. And that's where it begins. Trusting in Him to come alongside you, to walk with you, and to handle the junk in your life. Be still and know that I am God. I think sometimes we forget to be still. I think sometimes we forget to know who He is. I want to say, if you're here and you don't know who he is, as I've said, we're all evil. Evil's in this world because of all of us. So if you're waiting to say, hey, i got to get my life right before I can accept Jesus or before I can know Jesus, well, we're all evil and you're never going to get rid of it. And God's word even tells us we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us, including me. We sin each and every day. We fall short of the glory of God each and every day. But yet God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he died for all the sin you've already done. He died for the sin you're going to do today. He even died for the sin you're going to do tomorrow. The sin you don't even know you're going to do yet, <clears throat> he already died for it. But it says... That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. That's when you start to build that relationship. That's when you start to call on God to come alongside of you, to come and comfort you, to be there with you while evil is in the world and while suffering's going on, instead of turning to drugs and alcohol or whatever your vice is to get away from evil and suffering. You can take that time and call on his name and he will be there with you. And he will walk alongside of you. Better than any friend ever would. He'll answer your 2 o'clock phone call. 2 a.m. God, yes. Call your friend, you're going to get an earful the next morning. Why you call me at 2 in the morning? Why'd you text me at 5.30? You know I'm sleeping. You call on God at them weird hours? 
He's going to be there to listen. And like I said at the beginning, maybe you're here with just some junk. <clears throat> and, and during time of worship or during his message, you're realizing that, man, I just need to give, my, give it to God. Well, during my final prayer time and during the final worship song, you know, you can come up here and you can kneel at this altar and give it to him. There's something special about kneeling at an altar. And I really can't explain it, but I can tell you, like I said at the beginning, on Thursdays when I come in here and I pray and I sit up here at this altar, I feel his presence. I feel his presence stronger than any other place I sit. And the reason I think I do that is because all that junk in my head, I let it go. And my focus becomes on him. My focus becomes on what he can do, how he can bring me mercy, how he can give me grace, and how he can give me that love. So maybe today during his final song, you need to come up here to the altar. And don't worry if you kneel down and think you can't get back up. There's plenty of men in here who can help you get back up. I am not a little guy, so you know I can help you back up. You can do it right where you're at. You can do it. Join this church online. Give your junk to God today. Give it to Him. Let Him walk alongside of you. Let Him be the God of all comfort in your life. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we, we, you are the Father of mercies. You're, you're the God of all comfort, but Lord, we, we, we get stuck in ourselves. We, we get stuck, and we need to hold on to it. We need to figure it out, and, and it's all about me, God, and I don't need you because no one else can help me. Lord, you can help us more than anybody. So, Lord, it, there's people in this room, people watching online, and, and whether it's live or watching it later, Lord, they've got junk in their life. Lord, I ask that they release that junk and they, they give it to you, that they come to you as the Father of mercies, as the God of everything, as our Creator, as our Redeemer, that we will truly give it back to you, and when we come to you, we will worship you. We will worship you in spirit, we worship you in truth, and that we will come to you boldly in our life. Lord, there's no more plain Christian. We need to be real about who we are. We need to be real about who you are and what you do. Lord, it's so easy to say, if I was God, I would, there'd be no evil. Well, Lord, if I was God, there'd be no people. Because we'd all be gone. Lord, help us to seek you with our hearts. Help us to seek you with our souls. Help us to seek you with everything we are. Lord, just help us to seek you and your goodness. And Lord, may your spirit rest on us. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if 
If you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.